Hello, and welcome to Atari Bytes, the show where we take a bite out of the story within a classic Atari 2600 game, and see if that story bites us back. My name is Bill, this is episode 63. Thanks for listening. Hello again, everybody. It's great to be back. We're cruising into spring at this point. When does this episode even drop? As I'm recording this, I think... Oh, wow, I think this drops on April 2nd. So I hope that you have all survived April Fool's Day without any divorces or jail time as a result of your brilliant April Fool's Day pranks. And if you are in jail right now because of an April Fool's Day prank, I'm hoping that they have good Wi-Fi so that you can hear this episode. Tell all your fellow inmates about Atari Bytes. Okay, so in the news this week, uh, there's not a lot. We did get some feedback from our friend Jim from Pie Factory about our Robotron episode. Well, I say feedback. I think really what I mean is we got some in-your-face Atari Bytes guy because here's what he sent me. This is the actual note that I'm reading right here. Eat your heart out. My 7800 Robotron cart autographed by Eugene Jarvis and Larry DeMar. And he helpfully included a photo of his Robotron 2084 cart. Uh, And indeed, it is autographed by those two dudes who worked on the game. And then he goes on to add, I also have an XE copy of Blaster signed by them as well. And then, and then, just to make things a little bit more uh, in your face, he included a picture of himself with those guys and a few other Williams employees along with the uh, Defender Marquis. So, I guess, thanks, Jim? I'm kidding. Uh, This is actually very cool. I am, of course, jealous. Robotron, as I said in that episode, is a wonderful game, and it would be very cool to have talked to those guys and met those guys. Uh, And, you know, maybe I'll get a chance someday. But, so, I was kidding about the uh, in-your-face part. Uh, It was very nice of Jim to send this. I appreciate that. And it just kind of goes to show that I was not wrong to pick Robotron for an episode because people really like this game for good reason. So if you haven't listened to the Robotron episode uh, 62, go check it out because I had fun playing the game. And you will too if you haven't already, but who am I kidding? You probably have. All right. Well, thanks, Jim. You know what? In other news, there is no other news. So let's get on to this week's game. This week's game is... Okay, Atari. Let's see your best pitch. I quit soccer to play Atari. You need more practice, Haley. You can't keep me in here, Atari. The Atari video computer system is 20 cartridges with 1,300 game variations you play on your own TV set. Don't just watch television tonight. Play it. Home Run from Atari 1978. Home Run is, if you couldn't tell from the title, a baseball game. We're using the joystick controllers for this one. I almost wonder, as I'm I'm just now thinking of this, I'm going off my script here, guys. So, buckle up. Would this game be better? Yeah, spoiler, I don't exactly think this is the greatest game ever. Would this game be better if you used the paddles? Or, hmm, maybe the trackball? Maybe not the trackball. Maybe the paddles. The Intellivision version of baseball, which I played the hell out of as a kid, used that little disc thing, right, to uh, direct where the ball goes, 
to make your batter run, to make your fielders run. I almost wonder if this game would be better if you used the paddles. Hmm. Anyway, but as it is, we're using the, uh, the joysticks uh, for this. To pitch the ball, depress the red controller button, throw curves, fastballs, and screwballs, or change up pitches by moving your joystick as shown in the diagram. Here, I'll hold it up to the microphone for you. There it is. Take a good look. All right. As shown in the diagram, after the ball leaves the pitcher, joystick at neutral is an automatic fastball. So really, you wouldn't have to move the joystick at all. You just push the fire button, and you would just keep throwing fastballs. Batter. Swing the bat by moving your joystick from the neutral center position to any other position. Don't matter how the hell you moved it. Just move the joystick. If, after hitting the ball, it looks as though the outfielder has a chance to make a put out if you take an extra base, push the red controller button before reaching base, and your runner will stop at that base. I've only played this game a little bit, really just this morning, getting ready to record, so I haven't developed a real good feel for controlling the batter. You know, I've gotten okay at hitting the ball, but I'm not necessarily great at controlling the batter. He just kind of runs on his own and stops, seemingly on his own. Although, obviously, it's, I'm doing something, but I don't have a good enough feel for the game yet to, uh, to know exactly what I'm doing. Even though, frankly, the instructions aren't that difficult. Outfielder. After the batter hits the ball, control your outfielders with the joystick as shown in the diagram to catch the ball and make putouts. They use the term outfielders loosely. You get one outfielder, which is really the pitcher. He does everything in this game. Uh, there's only two people on screen. Well, the batter and the pitcher, and then uh, the, whatever players are on base. But you don't really control them. They just kind of move when uh, the ball gets hit again. Handicap difficulty switches. In the A position, you will have slower outfielders, and when it is your turn to bat, your batted balls will move more slowly. In the B position, the outfielders are faster getting to a batted ball, and can move more quickly to make the putout. Also, your batted balls will move more quickly through the infield. Now, after spending all this time telling us how to play home run, the manual has a section titled, How to Play Home Run. Um, so were they just kidding about the first part? I don't know, let's find out. Play home run just as you would play baseball. Alright, I got my athletic supporter, and my baseball glove, and a beer. So I am set to play this game just like I would play real baseball. Just like I learned in Little League. The left hand or blue player is the visiting team and is first at bat. The pitcher outfielder pitches the ball. Three strikes, either swinging or pitched, are an out. Four balls, any pitch not struck at that is not... What? Four balls, any pitch not struck at that is not over the plate, are a walk and the batter advances to first base. If the pitcher hits the batter and the batter does not strike at the pitch or the pitch does not pass over home plate, the batter will advance to first base. If the batter hits the ball, the outfielders can catch the ball and make a putout by touching first base ahead of the runner or by tagging the runner. I guess like they said, this is all basic baseball stuff. If there are any other runners on base, a putout can be made by tagging any runner, or if the runner is in a force play, by touching the base in front of that runner. With practice, double players, double plays, two outs on one pitched ball, can be made with ease. Well, la-di-da, says you. Three outs for each player are an inning. Nine innings are a game. Only the player at bat can score. Score one run for each runner crossing home plate. The batter scores a home run by hitting the ball directly over second base, and the ball is not caught by the outfielders. The white letters at the top left of the playfield are I for innings, zero outs. The white letters at the top right of the playfield are B for balls, S for strikes. 
oh, there's a B's and S's. I thought that was a 5 and an 8. I'm like, what the hell is this? That makes way more sense. The blue number is the left player's score, the red number is the right player's score. Games 1, 2, 3, and 4 are single-player games against the computer. Using the right joystick controller pitch to the game computer, your score appears at the upper right of the playfield, the computer score appears at the upper left. Games 5, 6, 7, and 8 are two-player games. The difference in each game variation is shown in the above playfield diagrams. Oh, hey, you know what? So I'm looking at the diagram. Here, this is what I'm looking at. See it? That's pretty awesome, isn't it? So I'm looking at the diagram for games 1 and... the the playfield for games 1 and 5. And you see a batter and a pitcher. I played game 1 in the field report. Games 2 and 6, I'm looking at the playfield, and there are two players in the field, and then the batter. 3 and 7, there are three players plus the batter. Games 4 and 8, three players plus the batter, although the three players are more spread out. So that's very interesting. I'm going to have to try that. Maybe uh, maybe I'm misjudging home run a little bit. Maybe there are variations where you get more players on the field. I did not consider that. I am terribly sorry, home run, if I have misjudged you. If I have totally judged you correctly and this actually means something else, well, then neener neener. One other interesting uh, note, the copy of the manual I'm looking at has... Whoever owned this manual at one point has highlighted with, like, uh, a marker the first line of the paragraphs that set out the one-player and two-player games. So he's got highlighted one, two, three, and four are single-player games and a little asterisk next to it. And then he's got five, six, seven, and eight are two-player games highlighted with two asterisks next to it. And then a little farther down the page, helpfully, he puts a little footnote uh, next to an asterisk that says, important to know. So, all right, thanks, mystery person, for pointing that out to me, because it is important to know, and I needed to know that this morning when I was trying to figure out how I could play this game. All by myself, I want to be playing games all by myself. If I'm the only one who knows that song, that was just a really dumb bit I just did. Anyway, moving on. Giantbomb.com had a blog, a JBN566, posted a blog post. That was a good sentence, Bill. Clearly you have a podcast. March 28, 2012. He says, This is a series of blogs based on my own personal game collection. I will attempt to go through them in a chronological order according to their release date. I will also attempt to play them on the original platform using the original controllers the game is designed for. If I am unable to get the system or the game working, then I will use PC emulation or another platform emulation like the Intellivision Lives, uh, Intellivision Lives, I suppose, uh, game for the GameCube. History of baseball video games. Number three, Atari 2600's Home Run. I don't know from what I'm looking at on the page here if he was ranking them in order of best to worst or worst to best or how many were on the list, but this one's at least the third one that he looked at, if not the third best or third worst. Like I said, I'm not sure. About the game, he says, uh, I talked a little bit about the graphics, basically the same stuff that I just said about what the game looks like. Like me, he was a little confused by, by the uh, numbers you're given on the screen. He says, I only have myself to blame for not knowing how many outs there were at all times. One second I was pitching, the next second a pitch was coming toward me. This is the first game I recall, he says, where the players are wearing baseball hats, so hats off to Atari for adding that level of detail. I didn't think about that when I was playing the game, but he's right. I don't remember that either in the Intellivision baseball game. I don't know that you get that much detail on those characters. Uh, I did notice the thing about the bat. Uh, now, as I said that now, I can't remember if I just said that a few minutes ago, 
or if I said that in the field report. Uh, either way, the thing about where you can see the, that he throws the bat down after he hits the ball, and you see the bat laying there next to home plate. With the addition of baseball bats, this is the first time in a baseball video game that we know which way the players are facing, uh, this reviewer says. It's amazing what a difference a little line at the top of a pixel body has to the player. All this new detail on the players comes at a cost. There is very little in terms of animation on the screen. The player only has two different looks, one facing left and the other one facing right. We still get the sliding effect, but now the heads are facing the direction they are moving. There is still no separation in terms of the player model. The players are still in one solid color, but now that includes their hat, red for defense, blue for offense. The field. What field? There's no excuse for not having a field, even in 1978 when games from last year included them. So he's not crazy about the look of the field. Basically, that's just four small rectangles and home plate looks like all the other bases. Um, he's right about all of that. Fans. There isn't a field. There aren't even nine players on the field. Rendering fans on the screen was probably not even discussed in planning meetings. Um, to be fair, in television baseball doesn't have that either. Although you do hear the roar of the crowd. That's the other thing. In television baseball has a fair number of sound effects. The sound of the bat, the sound of the crowd, the umpire calling the strikes, that kind of thing. You get very little sound in home run as you can tell from the field report, which I think is a, a, a detriment as well. Oh, and he actually kind of talks about that, how when you hit a home run, even though the game is called home run, there's really not much fanfare that goes on. It doesn't feel any different than any other kind of hit. There's only one screen in this game, which is turning out to be a pretty standard way of producing baseball games in the late 70s. Also, like previous games in the late 70s, the perspective is not the same for all the aspects. The field is rendered from a bird's eye view as well as the ball and bat, but the players are not shown from the top, but rather from the front. What makes it odder is because the batter only faces right when batting, it appears as though he is looking away from the ball. I never was good enough to make it out of Little League, but I did learn that if you don't keep your eye on the ball as you swing, you'll never hit it. He does note the sounds, basically beeps for the sounds. You know, in television, baseball doesn't have a lot of different sounds either. Well, they are different sounds, but they're not, they're basically just beeps. And that kind of thing too, but he, they managed to put some variation in there. He does note that the different variations of the games, one through eight, uh, changed the number of fielders on the, on the field, but not much else. And then he has a brief list of what he considers to be innovations in this game. One player mode can play against the CPU, the ability to control a fielder after catching the ball, fielder can perform a rundown and tag base runners out, baseball played with home plate near the top of the screen and outfield towards the bottom, which now that I think about it, is opposite of Intellivision Baseball. Sound effects for fielder movements, minimal in my opinion, uh, especially compared to Intellivision Baseball. Baseball hats and players first step in rendering baseball uniforms. I also read a review on GameFacts.com, which is pretty much the same, uh, covers the same ground. One uh, part I did like, he says, there's not even any wind to blow the ball off course, uh, rain to dampen the ballpark spirits, or any other weather conditions. Also, it seems as if the baseball fans already knew that the game of home run would be a dud because there's not a single fan to be seen or heard. No way to really judge uh, how to hit the ball. All you do is swing the bat and hope that it connects. He says, even though home run isn't realistic at all, I would have liked the game pretty well if only it wasn't for one thing. It has absolutely no challenge to it. The baseball hardly ever moves quickly after it's hit, and even when the baseball's uh, ass is blistered and it's moving like a rocket, it's still too easy to run and catch the ball. Not crazy about the graphics, there's very little sound, control is responsive and real simple. Replay value. Sometimes play the game by myself or with my brother to have a nostalgic laugh at how laughably bad and dated Home Run is. Other than that, I never touch the game. So easy and simple, that's hardly any fun at all. Okay, so this guy not crazy about the game. 
So, I think after the break, take me out to the ball game, but don't leave me there. And don't tell me it could happen to anyone. I was five. Thanks, Dad. Take me out to the ball game. Take me out to the crowd. Buy me some peanuts and Cracker Jack. And a pair of shoes. And a bottle of water because the Cracker Jack and the peanuts make me thirsty. And I stepped in something weird, so that's why I need the shoes. And I need a new car to get to the stadium because my old car broke. And I could use some groceries because I can't just live on peanuts. Protein's good for you, but you know, you need some carbs and some starches in there too. And I also need uh, a new coat because it's been cold out. I know it's spring, but it's still kind of cold. And hey, where are you going? The game's about to start. Come back. So I just pitched the ball. The game like starts immediately. Here's the thing about home run. Wow, it's hard to pitch a ball and field it and talk at the same time. Um, home run actually looks very similar. At least the little players look very similar to the players in Intellivision Baseball, uh, which is the baseball, the video game baseball game that I played constantly as a kid. Um, and this one looks very similar. I don't think it's as good. Um, this one, you're only seeing the infield. Oh, I just realized I'm supposed to be batting. I'm not supposed to be pitching. There we go. I got a hit. I like that when the batter hits the ball, when you're batting, you can see him throw the bat down, and the bat's laying there. Yeah, I don't think in the television version you can even see a bat. Or it's really tiny. But tiny bats don't matter. Remember that, guys. Alright, I'm pitching again. Um, so, in home run, you're only seeing the infield. In the Intellivision Baseball, you can see the whole infield and outfield. You see all the players. All you see in home run is the pitcher um, and the batter. And then whoever's on base. The pitcher does all the fielding. Um, the other thing that threw me when I started playing around with this this morning is when you start, you're pitching, which is fine. The manual, I don't think, really to told me that, so I was confused by that, but, I mean, you have one of two choices. You're either pitching or you're batting. Um, but what it didn't, the manual didn't tell me was that you're playing, if you're playing the one-player game, you're using the right controller, which is sort of opposite of most one-player games. So for a long time, I was panicked this morning, getting ready to record, thinking, this game isn't working, because I'm sitting here fiddling with my joystick. Wait, that sounded weird. Um, you know, using the, the left-handed controller. Um, and nothing's happening. So I thought, well, what happens if I use the right controller? And yeah, then it, of course it worked. Um, let's see. I'm still a little confused about all the numbers on the screen. Okay, so... My opponent has seven runs, I have one. Um, 
third inning, it looks like. Alright, we'll do a little bit more here. I like the little, you know, cartoon animal noise that the footsteps, footsteps make when they're running. It amuses me. feels like in the television baseball you have a little more control over, um, I suppose b because you get more players in the uh, outfield, you can do more uh, throwing to your own players and things, trying to throw to the different uh, first baseman or shortstop or whatever, and here you've really just got the pitcher who's got to just go chase the ball. Um, get myself out again. Alright, well, that's the uh, top of the fourth inning. That's a good place to stop. Um, Got to get out to the parking lot, get to my car before the uh, crowd exits the stadium. So, uh, back to you in the studio. I've already waxed poetic about how in television baseball has it all over Atari Home Run. To the extent that I played sports, video games, well, hell, any sports at all, as a kid, in television baseball was my sports game. It was fun. It was one of the few games that all my family members would play. There were a few others that family members would occasionally indulge me in playing, but in television baseball was the only one, really, that would get anybody else even remotely excited to play video games. In comparison, home run? Eh, not so much. For all the reasons that we've talked about, right? Even for 1978... The graphics are pretty limited. The gameplay is really basic. Um, it's just not that exciting. There's not even a lot of fun stuff to look at or listen to. Part of the fun of the Intellivision baseball is that you can hear the umpire. Uh, you hear their cheering crowd. Um, everybody cheers when uh, the defense comes in from the outfield. Um, you hear the, the crack of the bat and the pitch. And the, the ball hitting a, a glove when the player catches it. All that kind of stuff. It helps out to the enjoyment. You really don't get any of that in Home Run. So, yeah, I don't think, uh, kind of like that reviewer said, I don't think this one's going to be on my replay list either. But, of course, that's not why we're here at Atari Bytes. What we're here to do at Atari Bytes is not simply to play baseball, but to get behind the ball, which is a bad place to be if you don't have a glove. But we're doing it anyway. We want to get behind the glove. You know, inside the glove. Inside the... The, the mind of the players, inside the athletic supporter. Wait, we know we don't want to do that. We want to find out, is this just a baseball game? Just just a sunny afternoon at the ballpark, or is there something deeper and darker and more sinister going on? Well, of course there is. What exactly is that? Well, it's a little story that we're calling Enrico Palazzo's Revenge. He was a world-famous opera star. Hey, it's Enrico Palazzo! Baseball. America's game. Why wouldn't world-famous opera star Enrico Palazzo agree to sing the national anthem at a ball game? He'd be ingratiating himself to American audiences. Sure, the Venn diagram where Major League Baseball fans and Italian opera singer fans overlaps is probably pretty small, 
but it's surely not non-existent, uh, it might be fun. So Palazzo signs up, heads out to the ballpark in his tux. He's got his bottle of, a bottle of uh, pre-anthem wine that he can drink while he's chilling out in the uh, locker room. He's good to go. But then, one rogue cop changes Palazzo's life forever. I'm Lieutenant Frank Drebin, police squad. He wasn't supposed to be there. He was a terrible cop and a worse umpire. First thing was when Lieutenant Frank Drebin of Police Squad sang the national anthem at a baseball game pretending to be world-famous Italian opera star Enrico Palazzo. He could handle being stripped to his underwear and hogtied. Piece of cake, that was. Typical Tuesday, am I right? Anyway, Drebin's performance was brutal. And not just because Palazzo looks way better in the tux. Ladies and gentlemen, on behalf of the California Angels and the city of Los Angeles, on the occasion of Her Majesty's royal visit, please welcome internationally renowned opera star Enrico Palazzo. Ladies and gentlemen, let us honor America as Mr. Palazzo will now sing our national anthem. See, the soul of an opera star doesn't live in there. 
Sure, you can understand the words, and you're still awake when it's over, but still. Ugh. And people thought it was Palazzo doing that singing. He had to do something. Sure, Drebin may have saved the Queen of England and caught the bad guy, but he butchered a, a cherished musical tradition. And worse, he maligned a cherished Italian opera star, uh, cherished among the four people who knew who he was. So he had to do something about that baseball cop. He traveled to every major league baseball field in the country, sang the national anthem at every one of them, whether they asked him to or not. Sometimes they applauded, politely. Mostly they just shouted, Hey, who's that guy? He got into some fights. Someone's grandmother beamed him with one of those free giveaway bats in Florida. In Milwaukee, some guy's ten-year-old twin daughters put him in a chokehold. He met lots of security guys, but none of them were drebbing. He was elusive, that one. Then one day, he thought he had him. It was a beautiful little park in Portland, Oregon. The lush green grass, the smell of the popcorn, the crack of the bat. A perfect day for revenge. He spotted him right away, the telltale white hair of his nemesis, Lieutenant Frank Drebin. Okay, look. Enrico Palazzo mostly just stands around on stage and sings songs. And then he goes backstage and smokes cigars and drinks wine. Eats a lot of foie gras. Probably not the most athletic guy in the world. There's way more of that wine and foie gras in his pantry than vitamin water and hummus. But when he saw Drebin, muscles he didn't even know he had locked in and he hurtled the visiting team's dugout to take down his foe in a flying tackle. He got him in a headlock and was grinding Drebin's beak into something that might have been a discarded Baby Ruth candy bar, but probably wasn't. Shouting at him to eat his opera glasses. Which doesn't make a lot of sense, but he was really upset. And all of a sudden he hears this little kid say, What are you doing to my Grandpa Tony? Palazzo looks up and sees a ring of tiny baseball players surrounding him. He squints his eyes tight, shut, hoping for the cholesterol and the foie gras to finally conquer him so that he can get out of this. But he's not that lucky. So after smearing a senior citizen with feces, he's not allowed back at that little league field. Whoops. It also got harder to get gigs. Turns out the Venn diagram of opera fans and little league parents is bitter than the one for opera fans and major league players, but still not big enough. So now, here he is many years later. He saw Drebin once, not that long ago, with his grandkids outside the local opera house, ice cream cones in one hand, miniature opera glasses in another. A well of revulsion sprang up inside Palazzo, but just as quickly it evaporated. He's old and tired now, and they were outside his beloved opera house. True, Palazzo doesn't headline any, uh, shows anymore. He mostly just sweeps up afterwards, but still. So, on this day, Palazzo extends his hand in a gesture of peace. Drebin looks confused at first. In hindsight, he might not actually have recognized Palazzo. That didn't stop him from stepping on Palazzo's foot, tripping over his broom, shoving him into the opera house wall, and inserting his ice cream cone into Palazzo's, uh, orchestra pit. Drebin! And that's our show. My thanks to Kevin McLeod at Incompetech.com for Creative Commons' use of his songs, Reformat, Pinball Spring, and Take a Chance. Show notes are found at ataribytes.libsyn.com, as well as other episodes, obviously. You can email the show at ataribytes2016 at gmail.com. 
You can like the show on our Facebook page. You can follow the show on Twitter at Atari Bytes. You can find Atari Bytes on iTunes, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, Google Play, and many other places. Please hit a home run and leave us a review on iTunes. Also, you can support the show financially on our Patreon page or by picking up cool Atari Bytes merchandise, including our Go Play Some Old Games They've Missed You shirts at Zazzle.com. And if you have time, do check out my other show. It's a podcast, Charlie Brown, for all your Charlie Brown and Snoopy needs. New episodes drop on the 15th of every month. Next time on Atari Bytes, flag capture. So until next time, go play some old games. They've missed you.